We're back on the Exit 52 podcast. It is Friday, October 6th, 10 6, 2023. I'm going to pause this real quick. I'm going to pause this. Hit, hit me with that again. We're going to, we're going to, we're gonna do that one again. You need some. You're tired. Come on. We're we're gonna keep this short. We have an interview here. Come on. Zest it up. Take a deep breath. Hit me from the top, baby. Come on. Do it live. We are back on the Exit Fifty Two podcast. It is Friday. It's Friday, October 6, twenty twenty three. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on my screen by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How is it going, pal? There we go. Love it. Going great. We had a great interview that we just completed. You guys will hear. After probably about 10, 15 minutes from us with Derek Bell at Steelers underscore DB. Tons of fun. Definite ball knower. Definite great find on Steelers Twitter. Go follow him. So love that interview. Uh, it's Steelers week. On top of that, it's also the Ravens traveling to play the Pittsburgh Steelers at 1 p.m. on Sunday. What is that? October 7th? 8th? 7th. 7th. And then the Baltimore Orioles, Eighth. right as that game Eighth, right as that game is concluding, the Baltimore Orioles will host game two of the ALDS against the Texas Rangers. Adolis Garcia and company come to town. So a momentous occasion in Baltimore sports history. Ravens playing the Steelers the same day the Orioles host a playoff game. That is, I don't know, maybe it's happened, but I don't remember. Uh, Maybe it happened in 2014, something like that, but let alone it being Raven Steelers, let alone it being this Orioles team that won 101 games. Awesome Sunday ahead of us. Super fired up for that. Definitely make sure to check in the flagship post game where I imagine the five of us all going to hop on after that one. A huge day, a lot of implications outside of the Ravens. Much more important game for the Orioles, obviously, in the playoffs there, but we'll be recapping everything. So make sure to tune in for that. If you're listening, like and subscribe, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. Thursday night football. We talked about that with Jack Settlement. Jake, you did say you were a little tired, but we we did it live, baby. Now I feel like he uh, got up a little bit. How are you feeling? Yeah, no, it's not a normal tired. Like I, I, I would normally wouldn't be tired, but I this is how stupid I am. I had to wake up for like relatively early, like uh, for a work call this morning. So I drank a cup of coffee before that. Then I forgot that I drank one, and so I drank two more uh, with like a couple hours apart. So I just spread apart a ton of coffees over the morning, and then I just had a wicked caffeine crash. So yeah, no, that's we're, tummy uh, ache city. That's that's when the third one gets in that tummy and just starts rumbling. Yeah, acid reflux was was kicking away there. So we're 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 doing okay. We're playing hurt. We'll we'll get through it. Love it. So the Ravens, like we mentioned, will travel to Pittsburgh, play the Steelers for the first time this season. One o'clock, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The Ravens are three and a half point favorites. I'll check what the over under is in a minute. Uh, the Steelers have a pretty hefty injury report. And that injury report looks like a Baltimore Ravens injury report of the last couple of years. So the Ravens, as they're getting firepower back, we see Rashad Bateman, full participation on Wednesday and Thursday. He's going to play. Odo Beckham, we shall see. Justice Hill, limited, limited, played last week. Assume that's just precautionary. Morgan Moses even returned to practice. He is limited. Adafi Owe looks like he'll miss this one. Ronnie Stanley will play in this one. It sounds like we uh, we got some word that Ronnie Stanley will be playing. Marcus Williams has logged nothing but full practices. I would expect him to play as well. On the Steelers' side of the ball, offensive guard James Daniels, really the anchor of the Steelers' offensive line, has not practiced. Pat Fryermuth has been announced as out. Alex Highsmith, their newly highly paid outside linebacker, TJ Watts counterpart. Groin injury did not practice on Thursday. We'll see what happens with that. As you're listening to this, maybe you get an update. It uh, looks like... Uh, a core four has been banged up a little bit. Don't do not practice. Then full Kenny Pickett banged up says he is going to play in this one. The Steelers also down Deontay Johnson as well as Cam Hayward. 
So the Ravens are getting a lot of firepower back. The Steelers are not looking so hot. Even their punter has a hamstring injury and has not practiced on Wednesday and Thursday. So we'll see what happens with that. Maybe they just bring someone in late. Uh, maybe the punter's fine and just needed a couple days off practice. Not, it, it, you would be like, oh, okay, whatever. But in a Ravens Steelers game, a punter being out is a big fucking deal. Like that's field position, everything. And it looks like uh, Presley, their their punter there, Presley the punter, Harvin has picked up things a little bit this year from from what I've seen just glancing over through the last couple weeks. So big injury report. Ravens expecting guys back. Jake, first thoughts on this game as the Ravens embark on another chapter of Ravens Steelers history. Yeah, no, it's uh, the Ravens have looked very promising. I think for most of the football they've played this season, I think they had some obviously some tough stretches there against the Colts. But even in that game, I thought they looked solid at times. They put together some drives. Their defense looked good throughout, I think. So it's just one of those things where it, you got to keep building on that uh, that reputation that you're uh, you're putting together there. You got to make me feel more comfortable picking you in spots like this where you're going on the road against a divisional opponent that no matter how banged up they are or whatever, you feel like it's going to be a tough game. I'm not all the way there where I'm totally bullish and I'm just going to say, oh, easy win uh, by, you know, a touchdown. I think it's going to be a close game for sure, but... I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll definitely get to it in our predictions, but I feel like the the horses are certainly there for the Ravens to maybe uh, pull away in one of these things. I don't know how you're feeling. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking the Ravens definitely cover. I'm hammering three and a half. I might hammer six and a half as well. Alt spread. I think that the Ravens, as we talk with Derek about the quarter pole, the quarter pole of the season. We mentioned that on the jumbo set, everything like that uh, this week. The Ravens have answers more offensively. They have pre snap answers. They feel a little bit more spread out, a little more confident in the pass game. They, and what I said this year when I was making my preseason predictions as I've been gambling, I think this is my year and maybe the year of look at the head coach, look at the quarterback, that team will go far. The quarterback disparity throughout the NFL is very high. You know, crazy stuff will still happen. Sam Howell took the Eagles to the brink. Josh Dobbs beats the the Cowboys there, whatever. Parity will always be there. But I think that the Ravens, have handled the Bengals pretty consistently over the last few years. You know, the Bengals surged up at one point, have always handled the Browns. The Steelers have won five of six. The last leg of this is being able to build on what Roman did against the Browns and Bengals and then go handle the Steelers. And I think the Ravens have answers instilled from the offseason. That's how teams are built responsively. We saw the Steelers, the Bengals, and the Browns respond with players and contracts and acquisitions and strategies and traits. Uh, sneak that in there of how to defend Lamar Jackson. How am I going to defend Lamar Jackson? We saw answers. We've seen linebackers drafted. We've seen you know teams getting more familiar with what the Ravens have done in the option game. Now the Ravens counter back to the last leg of that, and that's a Steelers defense that has given them a ton of trouble over the last, I don't know, half decade. The Ravens haven't scored more than 19 points since 11-1-2020 where they scored 28, and so it's been years. I mean, the Steelers have been handling business against the Ravens, keeping them in the, the really the 14 to 16 range with 119 in there almost every game. So I think that the Ravens are playing a game right now where things are starting to come together. They're not there yet offensively, but they're playing this offensive game of Lamar Jackson being in control, having answers pre-snap, and being able to take what the defense gives him. And I don't think they've been able to do that against the Steelers. I think that on third down, they have simple solutions. The Ravens won a game last week against the Browns. You know, they had 
a big Mark Andrews play, a screen get. They haven't really needed crazy explosive plays. Like they don't have all these explosive plays that they've put forth, but they're putting forth good offensive efforts regardless. They're kind of more methodical in a more balanced pass run split than they have been. So I think we see Lamar Jackson come out a lot of talk. A lot is kind of the final frontier of owning this division for Lamar Jackson and owning, you know, a title at the end of the season for AFC North champs. Uh, the, like I said, Browns and Bengals, they've dealt with already. And it's not hard to pick a Baltimore Ravens team up to go play the Steelers with the reinforcements they have coming back on both sides of the football with the Steelers having a laundry list of guys they're missing their quarterbacks banged up. I'm going to take John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. I think it played better in Pittsburgh the last couple of years of, of this rivalry and really have played better on the road in general. As I've said, the Ravens are a road team. That's my, my thing right now. Uh, I think that we see the Ravens go put up, you know, some 23, 24, 27, 31 points. And the Steelers, ha in order for the Steelers to win this game, they are going to have to. We get to it and do it with Derek. It was kind of his thing, too. They're going to have to have TJ Watts, Triple Lamar, or Larry Ogan, just something like that. I mean, if Alex Highsmith doesn't play, you can kind of really try to eliminate TJ Watt from this game. They're going to have to make the Ravens fumble. I don't, you know, maybe they throw, maybe Lamar throws two picks. I would think that's worst case here in this one. Maybe the Steelers are able to, you know, jump something, see something. I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think the Ravens have shown shit offensively in their past game still. I don't think they have gotten deep into the bag of tricks at all. The Steelers don't have, as Derek gets to, really super athletic DBs outside Minka Fitzpatrick that can play a versatile kind of game and bait stuff. So I think if the Steelers are going to have a chance, they're just going to have to wipe out the run game, which they haven't really done against the Ravens much, and they're going to have to take the ball away, and I think it's going to have to be through fumbles, which the Ravens have done. Each of the last four games, it's been a talking point this week. So I think that's kind of where I'm looking overall in this one. Yeah, and for me, really, philosophically, it's just about, like I talked about on the Jumbo set, like it's about not panicking at all. It's about just kind of keeping that calm tenor and to really what we've gone back to, I want to say, since before the Bengals game, just talking about like just taking what the defense gives you. I think we get, we get into that with Derek a little bit as well, where, you know, if they're showing you something, do the other thing. If they start to counter that other thing, then go back to what they, you know, weren't showing you prior. Like just kind of play the poker game a little bit. I feel like Todd Monken has done a good job of that. And with a defense that to your point and to Derek's point as well, small sample size, but they've kind of had Lamar Jackson's number a little bit uh, in his career. Um, it's really just about not panicking when they show maybe that they do. And with a hobbled Ronnie Stanley coming back, facing off against TJ Watt, that's going to be tough. Maybe Alex Highsmith misses this thing uh, with a hobbled Morgan Moses. Who knows what's going to happen, but just one of those things where stick to your plan, just kind of stay committed to it. Don't go too crazy. And yeah, also to your point, like they haven't really tried to do too much with this past game. It feels like it's been one deep shot per game at the most, uh, you know, two or three, and they've hit on a couple to Zay Flowers. So maybe you, you try to keep doing that, but you know, I'm good with just chunking it in the run game, trying to uh, pick up first downs that way or get into a second and short or a third and short. And then uh, taking what you can get out of a past game that hasn't even really gelled yet, but has looked good or at the very least efficient when they've been out there. So well said and offensively the Ravens, you just want to see them able to spread the field, give different looks. And I think when you start to be able to get to the line quickly, be able to go no huddle a little bit, you'll, you'll stretch the Steelers out. The Steelers are not deep going into this game. Depth wise, they have a lot of guys that are going to have to step up from the practice squad, from deep on the roster, things like that. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I mean, I'm, I'm going to think I, I think I'll probably hammer whichever quarterback starts over one and a half interceptions. 
I think that the Ravens are going to be able to take the ball away. I think that the Ravens are going to get the Steelers into third and longs. Their offensive line's banged up. They don't have Pat Fryermuth. Darnell Washington's young. Maybe he can have a you know, come-out party knowing that he's going to start and, and wreck shop a little bit and create some seams and things like that in the run game. But uh, I think the Steelers are going to end up in a lot of third and longs, and Mike McDonald is going to continue putting you know, middling quarterbacks, let's say non-elite or very good top-tier quarterbacks into a blender. I think we're going to see those third and longs. I think we're going to see turnovers. I think we're going to see sacks. I think the Ravens' defense is going to have a truly dominant performance, and I, I don't see the Steelers able to score more than two touchdowns in this game. If the Steelers, uh, offensively, sure, they could have a pick six, whatever. Offensively, if the Steelers score two touchdowns, they are at 100% output to me in this game. So I, I don't know that there's a ton that we didn't cover with Derek, and uh, we've got a good bit here for for this podcast. But I guess to segue into predictions, again, I don't think this Ravens team really cares to try to go score 35 or 40 points. I don't think that'll be what it looks like. Maybe it just gets out of control. I don't think that happens because the Steelers are still well-coached. Uh, they are disciplined enough to, to keep it you know, from getting unseemly for the most part. And uh, so I think the Ravens are able to go score two, three touchdowns in this game and kick one, two field goals in this game in the first three or so quarters, put up 20 points, 23 points in the, the first three quarters. So I'm going to go 20, 26 to 9 Ravens in this one. I, I think the Ravens are going to be able to really lay it on the, the Steelers offense. I think their system, their program is cooking right now. And I think that the Ravens win another comfortable one. And I think in the next 10 or so days, as the Ravens then travel to London, who knows? London nightmares, Jaguars, ah, scary, whatever. I think we're going to start to see the national media really, I said this last week, but I think we're going to start to see them really pick up on the Ravens, Mike McDonald, Lamar, MVP. I think all of that starts to really pick up steam in the headlines and the talking heads in the next 10 to 12 days or so. So I'm going to go 26-9 Ravens. Yeah, gut feeling I initially was on the Steelers to win a very close one. Uh, I, and it just it wasn't really based on any logic. It was just like, oh, it's a rivalry. You know, they'll maybe split the series. Of course, that would start with a win in Pittsburgh, you would think. And I just had visions in my head of Mike Tomlin thumping his chest and the crowd going crazy and TJ Watt doing his stupid fucking kick the door down thing. And, you know, after getting however many sacks. And it just, it was kind of in there in my head. But, like, logically, like, you just look at these two rosters. I think the Ravens are better. Look at this coaching staff. I think the Ravens are in a little bit better of a spot right now With when you talk about Munkin versus Canada. You look at these injury reports. Ravens are getting healthy at the right time for this game. Steelers are uh, the opposite at the exact wrong time for them. So I'm going to go Ravens win a close one. Uh, let's say 20 to 17. All righty. That will be right in the range, and that would be that 20-point that mark that teams tend to beat the Steelers up with. Uh, so with all that said, we're, we're both taking Ravens wins. Orioles, like we said, hosting the Astros. Make sure to go check out my Twitter. I released Rangers. a little Go Bird shirt, a little, little Go Birdie shirt there that, that have, quite a few people have reached out, had some kind words, and said, hey, I would love to support, buy a shirt from you. So go check out my Twitter that's pinned on my Twitter. Just a Go Bird shirt that's Ravens and Orioles colors. So go check that out. If you're listening, five stars. If you're listening, like, subscribe. Again, we're building up the YouTube. We've been ripping and roaring. Thanks to everybody who's been subscribing. Appreciate that so much as we're building back up after we were on another platform for a couple of years. So uh, please subscribe, like, all those good things. Share this with a friend. We love and appreciate you guys, all the support you give us. And, man, 
a huge, 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 huge Sunday in Baltimore sports. That's why we're happy to be at Exit 52, where we're a little more diverse and able to be ourselves and, and do some more fun things. So appreciate you guys so much. And, and Jake, any thoughts you have? And we can get out of here, throw it to Derek at Steelers DB. Yeah, no, massive weekend. Great weekend to be divested, as you hit on there. Everyone uh, going to be out at the Orioles game, maybe be at Pickles. I think I might try to roll through there as well to watch the game uh, against the Rangers on Saturday. So that's going to be great. And then, uh, yeah, obviously we'll we'll have the Pittsburgh game, and then that rolls right into game two. So it's going to be a massive, massive, massive weekend. We're all very excited about it. We do thank you guys for uh, your support, as he said there. We also thank all of our sponsors, Jimmy's Famous Seafood Presenting for us, Fed Thrill, Black Eyed Susan Spices. We got... Uh, our guy Sam Cuts with uh, Smooth AF. We've just got uh, a lot of things in the hopper right now, so check out all our offerings uh, as well. Uh, really appreciate you guys. You can follow us on social media. I am at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-E. Spencer is at Ravens 4 Dummies. That is the number four in the middle. At Exit52 Podcast on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, like we said, Ravens, Orioles rolling big time right now. So, uh, you know, it's that time of year. Let's get into it. Uh, thanks, thank you guys for listening, and we will throw it now to Derek. See ya. Arrivederci. All right. We now welcome on a very special guest. It is Derek at Steelers DB on Twitter. You can find him. He is with Pittsburgh Steelers now. You can check out D Bell, Derek Bell, find his work all there. And I've got to say, uh, before we really kick it off, I, we've been doing, Jake and I have been doing this podcast together for over a half decade now. And I have never found we have a Steelers or no, excuse me. We have a Bengals guy. We have a Browns guy. Somebody who gets into the film a little bit is like a reasonable human. And Derek, it has taken me over half a decade to find someone that looks like they know ball, post good content, have a level head that we wanted to have on. So we're super fired up. How are you feeling today, my friend? We're, we're happy to have you. Yeah, it's Ravens week. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. I know uh, Steelers Ravens, you know, even growing up, man, that rivalry is just always it's always been different, you know, um, from, you know, the other teams in the AFC North. I know that's how Steelers fans feel and that's how I've always felt as well. But, you know, I try to keep a level head about things. You know, obviously everybody wants their team to win and stuff like that. But I think, you know, being able to get a little bit older, kind of appreciate, you know, more about the game than just, you know, your favorite team or whatever has been uh, exciting and I'm excited for this one on Sunday. I'm a little nervous, but um, it should be a really good game, I think. This is a good one in that it allows you to uh, – you you do want to keep the level head and everything like that, but this is one where you kind of just got to let the emotions fuel you a little bit as a fan. I think, uh, you know, you, you mentioned how the uh, – you know, you tend to get up a little bit more for the Ravens. I think the feeling is definitely mutual, whether it's Cleveland having an odd good year or Cincinnati with the run that they've been on. We definitely uh, – we definitely still always have the emotional reaction when the Steelers are on the schedule. So we'll, we'll try to, we'll try to keep the emotions not fueling too much of this interview, but it's a, it's a big part of it for sure. Yeah. I know uh, Lamar said, said something this week too. You know, it's, it's funny cause he's only played, you know, he, he's been out for a lot of these matchups. He's only had three starts against the Steelers. And uh, he was, you know, talking about in his interview this week, he was saying, you know, Steelers week, it just feels different. Like you listen to the comments made by like Patrick Queen and, you know, Roquan Smith this week. I mean, I think that, you know, obviously Harbaugh's done a good job, you know, explaining the difference of what this week means, not just for the two franchises, but to the fan bases. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a good one for sure. Definitely will. And with that, uh, thinking back, you know, Throughout this rivalry, it has grown into something a little stranger, a little different from what it was in years past. The sport has evolved, but the intensity is definitely still there. And uh, you bring up Lamar Jackson not playing in a ton of these games. And I'm curious what your thoughts are as you're looking towards this Ravens offense. 
Obviously, the Greg Roman years have passed, but they're also still there in a sense. The Ravens are still mixing up everything they do with men slash gap runs, with you know throwing a really full arsenal of run concepts at you. And the Steelers have done, like you said, it's been limited. Such a good job, though, of being super aggressive and surfing down to Lamar Jackson, forcing the ball out of his hands. We've seen J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards uh, you know, ha- average a solid chunk of yardage, five, six yards a carry, seven yards a carry at times against the Steelers. Um, do you anticipate with what you've seen, maybe the the slight changes in the Ravens offense? Personnel is a hair different. Ravens are a little different pre-snap, we'll say. How do you think that the Steelers can effectively counter what the Ravens are doing? And, and where are you looking on that side of the football as the Ravens travel up there and try to score some points against a team that I think is... One in twenty-two in game, in the, the Steelers are one in twenty-two. I think in the last twenty-three games where they've allowed twenty or more points. So yeah. really got to keep it low scoring. So how do you think the Steelers' defense uh, can have success or will struggle? Yeah, so that's something I've been working on for the past couple of days uh, for the Steelers Now site. You know, just diving into this kind of new look Ravens offense under Todd Monken. Um, I, th- I think it's it was refreshing to see the Ravens organization kind of realize what a lot of people have kind of said about you know the evolution that kind of needed to take place in Baltimore on that side of the ball. Um, and then you know just some of the things that I saw was kind of putting in my kind of write up on it was you know I think the personnel is is different. You know they're they're actually using eleven personnel joining the rest of the NFL and using three wide receiver sets. I think. Last year, they only used 11 personnel, like 10% of snaps. This year, it's over. It's like right at 50. And that's still in the bottom third of the league. But it's just that significant jump. You feel it when you watch them because there's more speed on the field. The thing, Everything's like a little – it just feels more spread out. Um, Monken does a good job. I feel like the route distribution is a little bit better. You know, um, and, and they've done some def- uh, some interesting stuff as well. I think Zay Flowers is a huge piece um, adding his speed and just the dynamic ways that he can, you know, create splash, like with the ball in the air, with the ball in his hands. Um, and then just, you know, you mentioned too, like just a lot of those same run concepts are kind of still in place. Uh, they're doing a lot of read stuff with him. The Ravens have always been real gap heavy in comparison to other NFL teams, which makes them really challenging to prepare for on a week, on a week basis. Um, but, you know, Lamar's legs, like it's not just, it's not just about what he can do with his legs, but what it does to the other defenders and how it opens up running lanes by causing hesitation from linebackers and such. So, you you know, the Steelers have, in the past, they've charged the mesh point at him, you know, basically forcing him, not even giving him a read, but like forcing him to give the ball on those zone replays or power replays. And then just a lot of zone coverage. You know, you look at the last time that these two teams played, I think it was uh, two years ago, December of 2021, believe uh the Steelers played zone coverage on 42 of the 45 dropbacks I mean they just they were very committed spot drop everybody get depth and get your eyes on number eight and we're not gonna let him you know because if it's man to man you always run that risk that you know somebody loses gap integrity up front rush lane integrity he just kind of slips up and out of pocket and at that point it doesn't matter who you've got on the field they're probably not gonna tackle him in space Alex Highsmith listed as questionable. How would that kind of impact the Ravens' ability to uh, make some hay against this front seven? Because I feel like he's a guy that's really always in the mix there. Yeah, that was a new injury that popped up today, I believe. Uh, that, that's definitely significant. You know, Highsmith's such a um, such a good young player. He's gotten better and better every year. Um, it's interesting. Super, the- super smart guy. High, oh, yeah. high, high IQ guy. Run, pass, and coverage, everything. 
Yeah, and like the other thing too with Highsmith is they've got two really good speed rushers with him and Watt. Um, but you know the way that defense or the way that opposing offenses will sometimes attack them is, you know, even last week you saw against Houston they had their third string left tackle in, but they were still giving help to T.J. Watt's side. And you know that's not a knock on Highsmith at all. You still, but you got to have a dude on the other side to win those matchups. And you know whenever they did give him good opportunities like that, he won. Uh, so it just makes the Steelers a lot more difficult to game plan against. You know, if you're going to put him in those one-on-one situations and those pure drop-back spots, um, he's going to win those more often than not. So, and you, you know, he mentioned that you know being um, kind of versatile. You know, he's a better run defender than he was when he came into the league. You know, they drop him into coverage on some simulated pressures and things like that. So, I mean, that would be an absolutely huge loss, uh, without a doubt. Certainly. And looking around this Steelers defense, what have you seen? It's it's not, you know, of course, the NFL throws us an odd number. We had such a clean quarter pole, half pole, everything. But as you're looking around this unit, they bring in Larry Ogunjobi, one of the most underrated nose tackles in the NFL, uh, able to get into that Pittsburgh attacking style, penetrating style system. Uh, DeMarvin Leal, someone that I like to go bit coming out. Keanu Benton's been a, an absolute ham dog in the middle there, too. Uh, Cole Holcomb, a new addition. Quan Alexander, a new addition. Uh, make a, or excuse me, Patrick Peterson, a new addition, tons of new additions. So what does it look like on the defensive side of the football so far? What has stood out to you? Uh, what are you excited about? What are you maybe looking to see more out of on that side as we get ready to transition to the other side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, I think just the depth up front, you know, the depth up front for them coming into the season is obviously really impressive. Even with Cam Hayward being out um, already, unfortunately, with an injury, you know, just the the bodies that they've been able to accumulate um, into that pass rush mix has been impressive. You know, you mentioned Ogan Joby. He's a flat. He's a little bit of a, um, you know, a streaky player. But like when he's on, man, he can be really disruptive. And then you got young guys. Leal is a better run defender this year. Keanu Benton, man, is someone that I'm pounding the table to get more playing time because he already looks the part, dude. Like whether it's nose tackle, defensive end, you can play him up and down the line. Um, you know, his hand usage is impressive, really good against the run. I think he's getting better as a pass rusher. Um, they redid the entire linebacking room. You know, they're kind of playing this little mix and match game, you know, definitely different than what Baltimore has done, you know, bringing Roquan Smith in, you know, it's like, with Roquan and Patrick Queen, it's almost like you got two guys that you don't want to take off the field ever. Well, Pittsburgh's kind of on the other end of that spectrum. They're mixing and matching with Quan Alexander, Landon Roberts, Kohokum. And then the secondary changes, it's probably been the the spot that's been under the most uh, heavy microscope, I guess you could say. You know, Peterson and Levi Wallace. Who's kind of well been that way for a while in Pittsburgh, it feels like, out, especially outside of yeah. last year. Yeah, and, and, and I think that their plan was, like, we're just going to get these, you know, 77 78 overall uh cornerbacks and we're gonna win with the pass rush and we're gonna do just enough to kind of hide them and they've had success doing that in the past but um you know we, we've seen that the way the Steelers defense rolls you know in their two wins this season uh, I think they forced uh seven or eight turnovers uh and then they've been able to hide some deficiencies in the back end and then in their two losses they've only been able to get one turnover and they've gotten absolutely blitz creaked uh by the Shanahan and Bobby Sloak offenses uh, those West Coast staples. And, um, you know, that that's probably the biggest cause for concern is, um, you know, Baltimore's got more depth at the receiver room than they've probably ever had that I can remember. Um, and that's even saying, you know, I know some guys are still working their way back from injury, but, you know, Nelson Aguilar, who I think is their, I think, fourth receiver, I guess, on their depth chart. I mean, there, there were years where I feel like we would head into this matchup where Nelson Aguilar would be by far the best receiver on the Ravens roster <laughs> heading into these kind of play, these kind of games. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see, especially with Monk and spreading things out more, getting more receivers on the field. 
the thing that I'll be watching for is like, do the Steelers have guys to cover uh, these players, especially Zay Flowers? That's that's my biggest concern. Going out, going back to Andrews and Jackson's breakout season, even in 2019, it feels like the Steelers have contained the hell out of Mark Andrews every time they've met. I mean, it's really impressive considering what he's able to do against pretty much every other team, especially the Ohio teams. As we've hit on, he just freaking owns those those two squads. So. You know, we know Terrell Austin a little bit. He was here in Baltimore coaching DBs a while ago. What are you expecting the approach to be here? Do you think it's going to be, you know, shade a little bit to Flowers, try to contain him, and then maybe Andrews is able to do something? It feels weird having receiving options so that Andrews can maybe finally do something in a game in a game against the Steelers here. Yeah, so, I mean, in recent seasons, like the past two years, you're seeing some increased man coverage rates uh, for the Steelers defense. But through the first month of the season, we, we've seen a little bit of a downtick. And I think that that really has to do with um, – the lack of speed that the Steelers have on the outside with Patrick Peterson, Levi Wallace, trying to shield them from some of those matchups. They haven't been very good against um, the number one receiving options for teams. IU clipped them up in week one. Nico Collins went wild last week. Um, so Devontae Adams, I think, uh, damn near almost broke a, broke records uh, in primetime a couple weeks ago. So um, they're trying to shield those guys. So I think it's going to be more zone coverage. I don't know if it'll be as drastic as it was a couple years ago when they played where I said, you know, 42 to 45 zone coverage dropbacks, but it's going to be, um, I I would be very surprised if they played a significant amount of man coverage at all, just because I highlighted this on Twitter. I'm watching some of the routes that Zay's running, especially when they were putting him in the slot. Uh, They just don't have, I mean, they don't have anyone that can run with him step for step. So if Baltimore wants to get him in the slot on some of those slot fades or go balls and try to stretch the field vertically, the Steelers don't have anybody that can keep up with him step for step. So that kind of limits what you can do a little bit on the back end. Definitely does. And especially if you do want to run some middle of the field closed stuff, it, it really is a lot of space back there. So it feels like not able to run as much of that as they would want. Um, on the, we mentioned the injury report, Cam Hayward out in this one. Uh, we're also going to see probably, I, I think James Daniels probably going to miss this one big loss. Pat Fryermuth, I think, was announced out already. Uh, Cole Holcomb banged up. He's in there. Uh, a couple other guys, Dan Moore, who I really, really, really liked at the Senior Bowl coming out, has crazy good grip strength and things. Uh, look like he's probably going to miss this one. Punter, Presley Harvin, the big boy, probably, I, I don't know, maybe going to miss this one. Uh, so with the Steelers, Kenny Pickett obviously banged up. With all of these injuries, and it's something Ravens fans have been talking about so much the last couple of years, where do you see – and I have, a, I have one specific question to flip, I guess, onto the other side of the ball. I was pretty – I was wanted to know – I haven't talked – I don't talk to that many Steelers people. I don't know what it is. Maybe I just hate them at my core. He's been, he's been talking for years about not having an actual ball knower to talk to him among, amidst it, it, the Steelers. I'm like a kid in a candy store right now. Like yeah. Derek's like talking about spot dropping, talking about you know sh- everything, everything we want to hear. And us- we had a guy from SB Nation on. We were with S- SB Nation, and he was like, you know, screw Baltimore, man. Like you know, uh, it was it was a wild ride. If any of our listeners remember that one, but I digress. Uh, with that, I had one specific question, Dotson to me, was a crazy trade to make. I thought over the last, I don't know, maybe it was because they weren't going to start him and he hated that, the personal side, things like that. Um, I wanted to start with the Steelers' offensive line. James Daniels, a really sneaky, like, to the fantasy football world of football viewers, not, you know, no one ever thought about that. James Daniels is a damn good veteran uh, on the offensive line. So that's a major loss. What is the state of the Steelers' offensive line? They obviously make a huge pick here. Uh, in the first round, and, and where do you see this offensive line so far, and what are you expecting, I guess, this weekend out of that group, and where are you looking with some guys banged up, with a Pat Fryermuth out who can 
help on the outside too. Yeah, I think that, you know, the Steelers are kind of in this multi-year kind of reshaping and retooling of the offensive line. Um, you know, James Daniels was kind of the first domino. They brought him over last year in free agency. He had a really good season last year. I don't even think he was credited with allowing a sack. Um, Daniels is really awesome just because um, he's so athletic. So a lot of their outside zone stuff that was working last year, you would see him be able to get to the second level. Um get get on somebody's reach block and all that stuff and um you know he's a, he's a significant loss you know they they brought over Nate Herbig to kind of be the kind of uh third interior offensive lineman type uh as a backup from Philly there was some familiarity there with the assistant GM and I think that just kind of made Kevin Dotson be the odd man out and the thing that I've always said about Dotson is you know, Dodson's always been an extremely talented player to me on the surface. Uh, we, we we got a chance to see him as a rookie kind of get some spot starts uh, when the offensive line was really kind of on that downward trajectory. And he impressed, but it's just with him, dude, it's it was never consistent enough. It was a it was always this roller coaster of, you know, mental mistakes, penalties, uh, just really some really bad performances mixed in with some really good performances. And I think that that just really grew um that grew tired a little bit on the Steelers uh, coaching staff is just that lack of consistency. But, you know, they, they picked Broderick Jones. Uh, Broderick to me is a, he is the home run shot at left tackle. I mean, you're, you're really aiming for the stars uh, with him because he has all the athleticism that you could possibly want. He can move in space. He's excellent athlete, um, unbelievable recovery ability for a tackle. Uh, he just has absolutely no clue what he's doing right now with his hands. I mean, he's consistently late with his hands. Hand placement's terrible. He's still like bear hugging guys on the outside. But it's it's almost impressive to me that he even looked remotely serviceable last week at times because um, it's just like, dude, I, I don't know how you're even playing like this. This does not look like how a normal offensive tackle plays at this level. But, you know, they they have struggled. They've struggled to run the ball. They've struggled um, in pass protection, particularly to pick up stunts. That's something that I expect Baltimore to lean into a lot this week. They got destroyed by stunts, especially last week against the Texans. That would be something that if I was, you know, watching film on the Steelers offense, that would be something I'd be trying to pull from. Taking away even like stunts and sending more than four, is this a week that the Ravens front four that have struggled to get home a little bit uh, to the point where Marlon Humphrey is joking with Jadavian Clowney and they're having a little bit of fun about uh, how they're calling him Mr. Almost and everything. Do you expect that uh, those edge rushers are going to be able to finally rack up some sacks here without uh, any assist in this one? Yeah, potentially. I, I think Okorafor has been probably their most reliable one-on-one guy as far as like on the outside at tackle um, so far. And, you know, we, We've been familiar with a guy like Clowney for a while. Clowney's always been a guy that's uh, racked up a bunch of pressures, but he's never really been a high sack guy. Really good run defender. Um, you can use him as a spinner too, kind of on some stunts and things like that. And I, I anticipate them trying to do that this week. He can he can just slip through those too when he's just crashing to set something up. He's like still dynamically. he's still so athletic too. Um, even though you know he's been around for a really long time now. It's, so it's, like, just it's really crazy. He's just guys like get a the guy that so never got better athletic, at football like, and was always good. Yeah, guys yeah. guys get the ball out so quick. They're so athletic. Like it's it's just tough to get home with four. But like it's just funny because like they, we've had that problem with Odafe Owe, and now it's happening to Clowney, and it's just uh, it's just one of those things. Where it's like we just get one game where like the, yeah. this, this four man front can just kind of get home on their own, but yeah, I mean, my boy Justin Matabike quietly has has racked has. up a couple sacks, yeah. Yeah. almost silently. Almost I know silently. he's a he's a uh, like a film Twitter uh, favorite Matabike is, uh, but no, I mean I, the Steelers. Um, 
they've they've had trouble, you know, in pass protection, like I said, across the board. So this is definitely a matchup that Baltimore is probably going to try to use as like a get right type matchup. Another thing that teams have done uh, to the Steelers offense is just they're not giving Kenny Pickett a lot of like easy answers in terms of, all right, we're just going to line up and play man coverage. Uh, that was the thing last year that, you know, whenever they would get, you know, middle field close man coverage and, and, you know, these cornerbacks would try to press like Pickens or Johnson, you know, you got Johnson on the, the quick, the quick hitters, you know, the hitches, the comebacks and stuff like that. And then Pickens, anytime he would see one-on-one, he's like, all right, I'm just going to throw a jump ball. And Pickens is probably going to come down with it 75% of the time. Cause he's got that unreal body control and stuff like that. They're not, giving him those answers right now so they're seeing a lot of like quarters a lot of off cover three really it's just they're daring him to kind of go through his progressions and check the ball like and be real conservative go through his reads like take those five to ten yard gains and still not really finding a ton over the middle of the field so it's really felt like they've done a like opposing teams have really constrained this offense to a point where it's just it's ugly and it's tough to watch because there's pressure getting home even when they're not blitzing and then they're not making any splash plays down the field to kind of counteract uh, those chances either. Matt Canada obviously taking a ton of heat from what I've seen. The Steelers, you know, the inside zone, the duo, mixed in a little tiny bit more gap stuff um, is there. And I just – I have so many places to like that I want to address on the Steelers offense. But like Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, again, fantasy football has created this weird little – war between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren when they really are such a perfectly complimentary duo. Uh, what have you seen in terms of the run game? Matt Canada, it feels like has made – you look at the pass game and he kind of does the, the the vertical, neglects the middle of the field. It, it doesn't use enough RPO play action, you know, all those kinds of things. Uh, but what are you seeing on the ground game? What are you seeing out of these backs? And um, you know, last year in a close game, I think – if we go back and look, the Steelers, I think, have won five of the last six. We had 16-13 Steelers, 16-14 Ravens, 16-13 Steelers, 19 or 20 to 19 Steelers, uh, 19-14 Steelers, and 28-24 Steelers. All super close. That's become the, the running joke here. But I think in order for the Steelers to have a good day, they have to be able to run the ball. The Ravens front got sucked in a little bit with some injuries on the to their outside linebackers. They had to play guys like uh, Tavius Robinson, Jeremiah Moon. We're able to kind of do some auto – the Colts were able to do some auto cutback stuff. Um, I don't think a banged-up Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky is able to put up that, that magical 20-point mark for the Steelers without running the ball. So when you're looking at this Ravens defense that creates that two-gapping – dynamic wall, Michael Pierce, Travis Jones, Justin Matabike, Broderick Washington, Brent Urban all in there. Uh, what do you see? Where do you think the Steelers can attack? And how do they get those backs to be an answer and take some pressure off of a Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky? Yeah, you mentioned the dynamic between, you know, Najee and Jalen Warren. It's really the fantasy football community has kind of infiltrated the minds of Steelers Twitter as well. It's like it's, it's nonstop just back and forth between you know, the, the two sides. It's like, dude, are y'all forgetting that they're playing on the same team? Like, this is – it's it, you can have multiple decent running – like, you can have multiple – That, that is backs. 95% of the NFL over the last decade. Yes. Unless you have, like, Adrian Peterson or a McCaffrey or something like that. Yeah. Guys are splitting carry. That stuff drives me insane, especially because I think I really do really believe that um, over the first month of the season, I, I think the backs in general, especially Najee, because he constantly catches a ton of heat um, – I think that the backs have played fairly well. Like, I, I don't think that their problems on offense are really directly related to the running backs. And uh, you mentioned some of the stuff that they're doing. Um, you know, last year they were really heavy outside zone. 
Uh, first couple games, they really struggled. They've got some problems at center, in my opinion. Uh, the stuff that they're asking Mason Cole to do in the zone blocking game is just not fit for his athletic profile. It's, it's high, high difficulty stuff for him. It, it really is. It really is. And I think that you've seen them over the past two weeks kind of shift a little bit of that. They've had their most success uh, running like inside zone from the gun. Like their their success rates, their yards per carry um, skyrocket whenever they, you know, get an 11 personnel and run from the gun. Problem is, I think their offseason plan was, all right, we're going to draft Darnell Washington. We get Broderick Jones. We want to be more under center more. We want to try to mix in more gap stuff because they didn't run any hardly any gap last year. And every time they've tried to get into a personnel or these condensed sets or YY sets or whatever and try to run duo, the backs are getting hit in the backfield. Like, but just because that my my thought philosophy on that has always been, um, you know, okay, you want to be this really physical team, want to bring a lot of bodies to the party, you have to win the blocks, right? Like, you bring more people to the party, you've got to win more blocks. So now what they've kind of done the past two weeks and had success with is spreading things out a little bit more, and that way you don't have to win as many blocks you get lighter box counts and they try to take advantage of those. And especially they, the Steelers don't use a ton of motion to get numbers advantages uh, as opposed to, you know, teams like the Ravens, the dolphins as well, which, which makes it even more you to your point, you have to win your assignment when a guy kind of, you can, this is one of the biggest preconceived notions. Like defensive players know based on tackles sets, if you're running the ball, like to 80, 90% accuracy. And if you're not using motion to, give them more possible answers. It's just that's one of the biggest things I think Matt Canada could do simply to boost the Steelers' run game and boost Kenny Pickett. But but go ahead. I'm sorry. I just had and, to get that. No, and you're you're right. And that's the thing. Like, they their motion uh, rates and stuff are always, in, like, much, much more higher uh, when they try to run the ball. So, like, even when they do the motion, uh, there's still a little bit of tell in that motion that tells you, like, you're probably going to run. And, uh, you know, they've hit some runs on, like, crunch concepts, like chat wham. They actually pulled guards a couple times last week hit some trap plays. So I, I want to give Canada a smidge of credit that he's like, there's at least something going on up here to where like he's tinkering with the idea of like, okay, we got to find some adjustments. We have to be able to run the ball. Um, in terms of the, you know, the Ravens, I mean, they're, I, I think that you'd be asinine to believe that this is an offense right now with the way that Pickett's playing and the way this packing passing game in particular looks you are going to have to maintain some type of success. I mean, these are the games I feel like where you drafted Najee Harris for in the first round. You need him to be that tone setter. You need him to be that guy that you can feed the ball to to consistently stay ahead of the chains because the last thing you want to do against Mike McDonald is, like, you can't get into these third and six, third and sevens because he's going to throw, like, a gazillion different exotic blitzes. You know, you'll have Kyle Hamilton at the line of scrimmage. You'll have the different safeties, the linebackers. You'll have stunts and everything, simulated pressures. And for a young quarterback, it's extremely difficult to deal with. I mean, I saw what they did to – I mean, Minshew hasn't played a ton of ball, but he's been around the league a lot. And they had that dude in a mental pretzel. He he had no clue what was coming at him uh, in that Indianapolis game. And they've got to – especially with Kenny, you know, dealing with a little bit of an injury, they have to run the ball on this one to even have a shot, in my opinion. It was crazy – go ahead, Jake, in a second. But it was crazy last year. The, the Ravens knocked Kenny Pickett out of that game. It looked very similar to what Minshew looked like. So Yeah. A difficult matchup there, but Jake, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's really like the the Ravens lose that game largely because of two drives, in my opinion, where the the Colts are able to get Minshew in a rhythm. He completed like 10 in a row, and they march down the field twice, score a couple touchdowns. Outside of that, they really were not that effective uh, other than short fields. I mean, like, what do you do to really 
get Pickett into rhythm here because I don't see Pickens as one of these guys that can kind of come across on a quick little route and, you know, you get some quick game going to him. I don't really see Allen Robinson as that dude necessarily. Is it just kind of trying to feed Harris out of the backfield um, on some quick passes? Is it kind of just trying to get the run game going a little bit? Because with Williams potentially coming back, with Humphrey potentially coming back, it feels like the Ravens are getting a lot of horses back on defense, and I'm just not really sure what you do. Yeah, I think, um, you know, getting George involved and and I will give him credit, too, because defenses are playing him a lot different this year. So, you know, against the Raiders, they were shading their middle field safety over to his side every single play. And the Steelers, to their credit, they hit that deep ball to Calvin Austin over the top because they were he was matched up one on one with former Ravens cornerback Marcus Peters. Um, and then, you know, but Pickens is a better route runner than I think a lot of people think. And he's a, he's an evolving player in that he's understanding how to manipulate people like defenders leverages. He's understanding like where the soft spots in zone. There's just a lot of stuff on film, man, where the route distributions are awful and like, they're not calling. Basically they're the offensive corner is guessing wrong on what coverage he's going to get. That's a lot of the problem. And then, pick it because of all of the offense just seem seeming out of whack. He his worst flaws are kind of showing up on tape, like the pocket navigation skills, um, him dropping his head, bailing on clean pockets, not getting through his progressions. Um, all of his worst attributes as a quarterback have kind of showed up on tape through the first month of the season. So even if there are guys that come open, it might just be in the second, third progression. He's not seeing it because he doesn't trust off the line and he's just, you know, got real frenetic footwork in the pocket. So I wish I had the answer on how to solve some of this like zone coverage stuff. I mean, I want to say last week, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I actually haven't looked at the splits of what the Texans ran, but man, it just seemed like on, like when I was going through the film, it was just quarters, cover six. They were doing a lot of clouding to George Pickens. They'd have a cover two safety kind of rolled up. They jam him and then kind of filter him to the sideline. They'd have a safety right over the top. So when you get those type of looks, you know, with quarters on the backside, that pretty much takes him out of the progression because a lot of the routes will end up, you know, all right, automatic fade, automatic fade. Well, you're not going to really throw that. Kitty's not the type to throw that. So I wish I had the answer on what they're going to do. Uh, I just, it's, it's tough to watch from a person who like really enjoys watching film. It's really tough to watch his offense right now. Just off the top of your head, like as far as just chances of winning this game and you can get as in depth or just keep it as general as possible. Like, do you like a hobbled picket? in this spot or would you rather go with Trubisky who is very volatile and can be turnover prone, but can at least maybe uh, move around a little bit? Yeah, I think I've said this a couple of times, I think um, on Twitter or on my channel, but uh, I, don't, I don't really know that it matters a ton. Like I think the biggest injury for me that I really am worried about is James Daniels. Like if they could get him back, it would make me feel a little bit better because um, I trust Janos a lot in pass protection and I think he's a good communicator. He uh, identifies blitzes and stunts very well. So he would be the guy that I, if I could say, Hey, give me one guy that's healthy. Like that's who I would probably want. Of course I would love to have Deontay Johnson too, but as good as Deontay is, and you know, he's great against press, great against man coverage. Until the Steelers could prove, in my opinion, until the Steelers can prove that they can methodically move the football against zone, I don't think that defensive coordinators are going to be dumb enough to consistently throw out a heavy dose of man coverage. Just, it just for my, it doesn't make, it wouldn't make sense to me. Um, so, uh, you know, in terms of Pickett or Trubisky, I would, I would still lean towards Pickett because I, just from my perspective, I want to get as much film on him, as much exposure uh, to him, just to see where where he's at in his development. Um, but you know, there's going to be a kind of a 
give and take there. You know, Trubisky, you mentioned the turnover-worthy plays. I mean, I would almost guarantee if he played that Roquan will pick him off because he's going to force something over the middle that he doesn't need to. He's real bad with his eyes. Loves, loves just trying to throw over linebackers' heads <laughs> yes. when there's three guys in the middle of the field. He did, he did to he Roquan last year that turned like, the game. It's like he's like my tight end is six foot six. These linebackers are six foot. I I'll put it where he can't get it, and then he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, Mitch, you're gonna get those like one or two balls where you're just like, dude, there's no way you went through a single progression. You knew exactly where you were going pre snap, and that's that's where that ball is going. And it's like Trent Richardson of quarterback, late, yeah, late Trent Richardson of yeah. quarterback there. And I think with so, with Kenny with Kenny, you're probably gonna get the one to two. Um, You'll get the one to two just baffling kind of turndowns that turn into sacks or pressures. It's and, like reverse and, Mitch yes. Trubisky. And it, it like as similar as they are in other ways, it's like those those are two the two big differences. And obviously neither one of those are great. But I think, you know, with Kenny, um, I thought that the Baltimore game last year actually was um, you know, the rookie numbers obviously were what they were, but I thought the Baltimore game was probably his best game of the season, or at least when I was definitely he was he was sharp. He he protected the football, got the ball out, looked like he made some checks at the line, got into you know, killed into some runs, things like that. Yeah, and you saw him you saw him make plays with his legs out of the pocket, but you also saw him be real decisive on some third down conversions. Like I think back to that uh they had a third and I don't remember what the distance was, but it was third and long. They were running a Hank concept, and he fired a ball into Pickens that was like – I mean, there was very little room for error uh, that ended up uh, picking up a first down. So I, I do obviously want Pickett out there for, you know, reasons, but, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see, like, how he looks in practice. From what I understand, it sounds like he's – that he's moving around good. Um, but, you know, obviously that's completely different when you got, you know, I mean, the Ravens got some linebackers that move at, you know, four five, four four speed, like Patrick Queen can run like a freaking receiver. So uh, all that stuff's different, you know, when you got actual defenders that can hit you chasing after you. And that's the Ravens Steelers rivalry in a nutshell, the quarterbacks banged up and got to rub some dirt on it. Kenny's been in Pittsburgh, the city a long time has probably seen and heard well beyond his Steelers days that so it kind of makes you want to just rub some dirt on it maybe even if it's not the best idea you know coming right after big ben first round pick so i i think we do see kenny try to grit this one out he's a he's a tough kid he likes he likes the pittsburgh vibe he likes to you know go to go to the bar have a freaking uh have a nice tall one and yuck it up with the yinzers out there so i, th I think we'll see yeah. kenny get in there uh well, Jay, I think, you, go ahead Derek. well i think like this is that's kind of what I said. I remember I wrote an article after that Ravens game last week about, um, you know, I think st for Steelers fans and just like how I've always felt and how I've, like in my conversations with people on social media, I really don't think that anything matters more than like how you perform in these like Steelers Ravens games. And I'm sure that they, they feel that way on the other side as well. But like, no, I think about some of the some of my favorite performances, you know, going to games as like a fan or like watching them on TV, like even from like when I was a little kid, uh, some of my favorite performances, like I feel like 90 percent of them against the Ravens. Like it's just that's just how this thing works. So I think the players can feel that, too. Um, and, you know, that's what makes for these like great rivalries, great matchups is, you know, I think there's just a heightened sense of excitement. Um, and it makes you want to play through stuff like, you know, when you're banged up, you know, you play through that kind of stuff. And um, I'm hoping that Kenny's going to, you know, turn things around. And, you know, this is a big game, too. You know, if the Steelers were to somehow win this game, um, 
they would go three and two. And I think have the AFC North division lead going into the bye week. I mean, as bad as things have been through the first month and has as grim as, as things have looked, um, that's pretty awesome. Like if, if they were able to accomplish that. So, yeah, definitely. It's uh it's one of those, one of those things where like, uh, the rivalry really just transcends everything. Like when Ryan Mallett passed away earlier this year, like Ravens fans, you would not think they would have much of a connection to Ryan Mallett if you didn't know. Oh yeah. Eight years ago, he wins this random game against them when the Ravens were like five and 10 or whatever they were. And they sweep the Steelers that year who were actually a pretty good team. So it's just one of those things where you have all these like weird memories going back and everything. So yeah, maybe, maybe Kenny James, gets James in there. Crap, and he, Plaxico Burris seared, seared into my soul. Those two fighting and getting ejected. <laughs> yeah. Jarrett Johnson hitting Heinz Ward. Like there's just all these moments that like you, you just have stored away in the old memory file. Definitely more so than Ryan Clark. Yeah. They all just start popping up. Ryan Clark on Willis. McGay, Mike Mitchell and Steve pop- Smith. Like they're, uh, yeah, it's there's a million. Joey Porter them. slamming Todd Heap down, all that stuff. <laughs> Joey Porter in the bus stuff. with Ray Lewis. Yeah, uh, there, there's there's a million to look back on. With that, Derek, we don't want to take up uh, too much of your time. You were you were absolute gold. We would love to have you on again. Like I said, fired up to to find a, an absolute stud of Steelers Twitter. Somebody knowing ball out there in Western PA, all that good stuff. Uh, any predictions? Anything you think? Anything at all that you want to get out into the the ethos there and plug yourself too, my friend yeah uh i I think i pretty much covered like everything that i'll kind of set out to cover i'm interested to see how the steelers play lamar you know i i think that's the thing is you know the steelers have had probably more success against him than anyone else but i mean the sample size is albeit like extremely small so i'm interested to see what they could do to carry over um you know for the steelers to win this game i think that they're going to need to generate turnovers i mean i don't that's a every week thing that probably everybody talks about, but um, the Steelers generate a lot of turnovers and being down offensively, they, they need to really win some field that's, position, that's it right steal there. some field position, all that kind of stuff. They're, they're down there hurting. You need TJ Watt. We didn't say TJ Watt's name. I don't think once in this entire uh, session, that's how, you know, we're, we're in the yeah. trenches. There. Yeah. I think that's, that's the thing for me is, um, you know, if, if there is as, as great as Lamar is, and I'm, I'm actually from, Louisville, Kentucky. So I'm very familiar with Lamar. I've followed him literally since he stepped onto the scene. So, um, you know, if there is certain things about Lamar that I think um, they'll be probably looking to take advantage of is, you know, there are times where if you can, if you can heat him up a little bit, you know, his pocket movements can be really sharp because he's obviously an incredible athlete, but um, there are times where if you can consistently heat him up, uh, his eyes may drop a little bit and he can get a little bit loose with the football. I mean, I think like I looked at the, the stat last He's put a ball on the ground in his own territory in every game this year. One of them was negated by a penalty. Yeah. And I've looked, I looked it up last night cause I was like, man, like I'm trying to think about like games where I've watched him play live in the past like year and things like that. And I'm like, man, like I feel like he's put the ball on the ground a lot. And then I looked at, I think there's only three NFL players that have fumbled more since he came into the league in 2018. And one of the things I noticed too, uh, and I was watching the was it the Bengals game, uh, his eyes dropped, and like it's so funny because I've seen him do this a couple times. His eyes will drop, and his hand will separate from the ball at the same time. It's like simultaneously where he's like, "Oh, I'm about to become a runner," and I think that's going to be something. You know, TJ's always been really good about you know when he tries to go for sacks or whatever, like going at the quarterbacks throwing hand and like that's something that he I has think a super high like he forces a lot of fumbles but he has a super high like the amount of sacks he gets he is attacking the basket oh, yeah. where the ball oh, yeah. is yeah I, I feel uh, to throw a random number like 60 percent of his sacks i feel like he's attacking the ball zone 
Yeah, and I think that that'll be something, you know, um, that that they'll try to do. And this is the thing about defending Lamar, man, is like he's such a freak that you can have like the perfect. Pl- I tweeted this play that play against the the Bengals. Uh, they had that for or third down with like two minutes left. They doubled Mark Andrews and they had a spy on Lamar and they like brought some little exotic pressure or something like that and he still got the first down. So it's like you can have a good plan. It might not matter if Lamar plays well. Then you know it, it's definitely going to be in favor of the Ravens because I just don't have very much confidence in this offense until I see like some signs of life. So, uh, but yeah, as far as like my stuff, uh, still is underscore DB on all platforms, uh, YouTube, Twitter, all that stuff. So I appreciate y'all having me on. Awesome. Thank you so much, Derek. We really, really, really appreciate your time. It was a, a great little interview there. And with that, we're uh, we're really excited to continue this chapter of the rivalry. You want one thing, we want the other, all that good stuff. But make sure to follow Derek, support the man who's giving you some awesome content. You'll probably hear from him again on this podcast and, and a great follow if you want to stay ahead. Got to gotta get, gotta make sure, especially in your division, one of the reasons these things count more is because you're able to, it's like a double whammy. You can take one from your opponent, give yourself one, boost yourself in the division. So we'll be Checking back in, hopefully, with Derek another time. And with that, uh, super fired up to meet you and have you on and all that good stuff, Derek. So appreciate you, my friend. Appreciate y'all. Peace.